Welcome to Red Chat. I'm your host, Katie Jane Mullen. Let's just have a casual heart-to-heart. I mean, let's be honest. Who doesn't want an awkward and dorky redhead in their life? Welcome back to Red Chat. I am your host, Katie Jane Mullen. Here on Red Chat, we talk about everything from showbiz to comedy to pop culture and all things body and mind. I will be chatting with everyone from friends to family to even some people in the public eye. So make sure you tune in every week to find out who my special guest will be. So now just sit back, relax, and let's just have a casual heart to heart. So I have a very special guest here today, but I'm going to tease that for just a minute because I am going to plug a couple other things first. So first of all, please, please, please subscribe to my podcast, Red Chat, on iTunes. And when you subscribe, please also leave some feedback for me because I would love to see what you guys think. I would love to uh, figure out what I can change to make things better. So leave some reviews so that way I can get ranked as well. And then check out my website, which is www.katiejanemullen.com, www.c-a-i-t-y-j-a-n-e, M-U-L-L-E-N dot com where you can find lots of information on Red Chat along with some information on me as well. So check out my website but then guys also visit uh, wagonwheelcenter.org because I am working at the Wagon Wheel Theater this summer and I just wrapped up Ragtime which I am sad about because Ragtime was one of the most amazing musicals I have ever had the pleasure of being a part of. It was and truly inspiring inspiring to be on stage with these amazing singers and the story was so just influential and powerful and it was such a great musical so if you guys aren't familiar with ragtime there's actually a movie of it there is a novel of it as well and it just has some amazing people in it and it was it was really really fun to be a part of um so I'm sad that's over but wagon wheel is doing sister act next which opens July 13th and closes the 23rd after that they they are doing a straight show it's not a musical it's called the man who came to dinner which opens July 27th and closes August 6th and then they are doing a classic they're doing Grease which opens August 10th and closes the 20th. And finally, they're going to close off their summer stock season with the full Monty, which opens August 30th and closes September 4th. So make sure you guys get your tickets online at Chicago, I'm sorry, not Chicago Street, at WagonWheelCenter.org. And please also go to WagonWheel Center for the Arts YouTube channel and subscribe because I am hosting their web series this summer and it has been so much fun. We've been recording episodes about uh, the rehearsal process. We've been interviewing actors. We've been doing audience interviews, just lots of behind the scenes fun. Uh, So go to the Wagon Wheel Center for the Arts YouTube channel and please subscribe, leave some feedback, only positive feedback, and let me know what you guys think. And yeah, so I am here with Matt Whitney. He is a filmmaker, he's a writer, and he has also dabbled in acting. So he's going to tell us about his latest feature film. So welcome, Matt. Thank you so much for joining us, Matt. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm great. Perfect. Are you are you excited to be here? Oh, I'm super excited. Yeah, I am very awesome. excited to have you here. So Matt just wrapped up his first feature film, correct? Your first mm-hmm. feature film. Yep. Um, and what is that called? Uh, 4.0, and then it has a subtitle, so it's 4.0 or How I Killed My Roommate for Better Grades. Perfect. And we're going to tease that a little bit. We're going to come back to that film. Um, but the reason I met Matt is because my boyfriend got to work on the set with him. So that was very cool. It was kind of an interesting story how you guys became connected as well can you can you tell that story absolutely so uh leading up to uh the production i was doing a lot of networking and a lot of um work in goshen indiana which is where the film uh was shot and i had gone to they do what's called first fridays um every month uh it's a big festival and i went there had a booth set up so that i could try and recruit extras from the town Uh, people just be filler uh during the film and justin was set up like 10 feet away from me with a camera filming and he's like oh hey I think I saw your uh post about the film on Facebook looking for some crew I'm like yeah he goes I meant to you know say something about that but I totally forgot um I'm like well if you're still interested I still need crew members and like the next day he was signed up to uh help out and he was on set every day it was fantastic to have him but yeah it was total chance encounter that's awesome. And yeah, I mean, I think we have so many stories here on Red Chat where I'm just like, what I take away from it is just be bold. 
like if he wouldn't have gone up and approached you he would have never got the job Absolutely. and the experience and the credit on his resume and I mean that's amazing just be bold and ask and you'll usually get what you want mm-hmm. <laughs> I've always gotten what I wanted um <laughs> but anyway so um like I said uh, Matt has dabbled in acting a little bit. So you said you actually did some commercials as a child, right? Yeah, so that's that's totally how I got into the entertainment business. Um, I have an older brother. He's five years older than me. Um, and when he was a kid, he did uh, commercials out in Chicago, um, which is like kind of the ad center of the world, and would go out there a lot, and I just went with him. Um, we were both homeschooled, and we drove. Um, we actually lived in Michigan, so it was quite a, quite a drive. And... Um, yeah, I just got into it really early because I was always on set. And so I, you know, sometimes it'd help out as just like some little background kid. And then I started getting lines and commercials and it just turned into a, a little bit of a career. I mean, it was never like something super viable, um, but it was super fun. And I got to be on professional sets from the, the age of two. Um, so I was always involved in that. And then uh, I transitioned into the theater when I was a little older, closer to home. Um, but yeah, like I said, I just had this great background of always being involved in entertainment in some way, whether that was theater or film, but... Um, yeah, in a really, really unique and professional way from a really early age, which was awesome. So do you think you would ever go back to acting? Are you? Yeah, absolutely. I really love it. Um, it's something that I studied a little bit in college. Okay. Um, I did some, I did a couple plays. Um, I was in Singing in the Rain and I was in Romeo and Juliet, which is oh. a blast. Um, and I, I love stage. It's something that I, that I really have a passion for. I did a couple shows after college. Um, that was just great. And uh, yeah, it's something I really enjoy. I actually had uh, intended an acting in my film, um, but uh, uh, the wise words of other people saved me from uh, that uh, potential fiasco just because <laughs> of the um, you know time commitments of it. But uh, yeah, it's something I really, really love. Um, uh, as, a, as a storyteller, it's a really cool part of that. that Absolutely. Um, that you get to really, you know, kind of dive into those characters in a new way. So, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. And so you said you went to college for film. So where did you go? I went to Huntington University. It's down near Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, really, really small liberal arts school. Um, there's about 800 students, maybe, on a good day. Okay. Um, and yeah, but they have a huge film program. And so I was there um, studying film while I was a student. Okay, so did you did you go into college expecting to be an actor, or did you kind of find your way before that into the directing world, or how did that all work? Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I went to college. I so I was homeschooled, and I kind of was done with my formal education pretty early, mm-hmm. um, and just dabbled around in community college for a while, but I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. Um, and I had been looking at Huntington for a while, and I've been looking at it with the in- intent of being an actor. Um, cause they have a fantastic theater program too. Um, but when it finally came time for me to go there, uh, I wasn't so sure that I wanted to do that. And so I kind of did both, um, quickly the acting dropped off just cause of the time commitment. Um, right. it's just insane how <laughs> right. much time you spend doing that as an actor. Um, and so I focused, uh, fully on film while I was there, um, aside from the occasional production. Okay, wonderful. Um, so then that's kind of where your love for directing and filmmaking started. Mm-hmm. And so in college, did you direct any films in college or yeah, I did anything? some I did some short stuff. Um, uh, the you know the odd project in class because almost all of our classes were production based. That was something that really drew me to the school is that um, a lot of schools I had looked at did a lot of theory and a lot of in class work, which is great and super important. And like if you don't have that grounding, you're not going to be able to transfer it well to on set. But uh, what I love so much about Huntington is that they had so much uh, real world experience uh, built into the classes. So almost every single class would have a production, even like film history, we still did a little project in. Um, and I usually got to direct those, sometimes write them as well. Um, and then I had a couple of big, bigger projects, like my junior film was actually a short version of uh, the feature that we just did. Um, and then uh, we also did my senior project, which was like a half-hour TV show that I was able to direct. So yeah, I, I had I had quite a bit of experience, which was great. Oh wow, yeah, that's wonderful. Um, okay, so then you decided to do this film. Yes. Um, so can you kind of take me through the price process of deciding to do a film? Uh, you wrote the script as well, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so kind of go through the process of writing the script. How did you just make it come to life? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so so it's actually been several years coming. I was thinking on uh, on the way here how long it's been. Um, it's between two and three years because my junior year in college was when, uh, when the short film happened. And um, it was kind of a train wreck because we had written, uh, we'd written this film. Somebody helped me with it, he, uh, one of my friends in college. And we really liked it. It was a short film. 
uh, and our professors were like, ah, we don't really like the, the content, we should, we should change it. And it went through so many rewrites that by the time we made it, no one really cared about the project anymore and it was kind of just, well, we need a grade. So we made it, shelved it, never thought about it again for a while. Um, but it kind of always stuck with me as the story that I thought was really, really cool. Um, and uh, it was something that I continued to, to dabble in once in a while and, and do a little bit of writing here and there, but it, it didn't really take off a lot until I graduated actually, um, because I moved out to Los Angeles um, to, to work in the film industry. And while I was out there, uh, I'd have a lot of downtime between shoots because um, when you're out there, you, you'll do a project that's four or five days and then you're off until the right. next time you get hired. <laughs> and so I did a lot of writing uh, while I was out there. Uh, and then I moved back here with the intention of, uh, back to the Midwest, the intention of producing the film, um, which started out as shooting the opening sequence. The opening to the film is uh, about two and a half minutes. Uh, it's one one long sequence. And I uh, got some of my old classmates that had graduated uh, together and we started to uh, put this together at my old school and and set up a a a shoot for that um, it was really short but it was this great starting ground to go off of I mean the, the script wasn't even finished at this point we just knew we wanted to get something on film that we could show people uh, to get them interested um, and then from there that was like the boost that we all needed to start really getting involved um, sadly, a lot of those people, uh, fell off after that just because they had life, you know, certain, certain people, uh, went back to school, other people pursued other things, but, uh, you know, I had this tangible thing now that I could, that I could point to and say, that's something that I want to continue to work towards. And so, um, from there I was able to finish the script, uh, go through a couple of rewrites and, you know, make sure it was the best it could be. Um, but yeah, we didn't, I mean, we started getting really serious. The couple of people that were, were involved the whole way in, in March um, and just like blew through pre-production, um, got a lot of really great connections really quickly and were able to, to go into production in June, which was kind of a miracle. Yeah, absolutely. So just for the listeners who kind of want to get in, want to get into this industry and just kind of need a few guidelines, if you had to give just bullet points or a list of how things are done. Mm -hmm. Can you just start from the writing process yeah. and just, you don't have to get into casting yet or any mm -hmm. of that, but just for pre-production purposes. Yeah. 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 Um, definitely have a finished script at the beginning. <laughs> I mean, we were, we were doing, I know you should say we're from casting, but like we were literally casting people without a finished script at, at certain points because it was still like developing. Um, so yeah, have something pretty done before you try and get into it. Um, how many, allows. how many rewrites would you say you had? We went through three full drafts. Oh wow! Um, and and it and it changed significantly um, at times. There were large portions that were cut and things that were that were added. Um, but yeah, a finished script is, is really the most important thing. And then just finding those couple people who are going to be able to uh, support your vision and be be uh, really passionate about it with you because you can't do it on your own. I mean, it's the most collaborative art form out there. Um, you know, it's it's fun to imagine the like lonely painter by himself just painting into the night um but like filmmaking is so collaborative and there's so many people uh you just can't do it alone even even the writing process is something that you do in a community so um yeah uh, sorry bullet points um no you're good <laughs> have something written uh that's good that's been looked at by other people that's you know been polished um and then start to find that crew of people who really want to work on it with you um, and then from there, it's just planning and planning and planning and planning and planning to no end. Um, I can't stress enough how important it is to pre-plan everything. So when you say that, do you mean like a schedule for filming? Do you mean? Yeah. So, I mean, like we had, we had a shot list, uh, you know, done before the film, obviously. I mean, that's just like the basic, but, but honestly, like that seems like second nature, but I've been on so many sets like I, in college and even, even past that where things like that weren't done. They're like, oh, we'll just figure it out on set. And it just, yeah. it slows everything down. It doesn't allow you to be as creative as you can be. So yeah, I mean, like a, a shot list, having everything plotted out, knowing exactly how you want everything to look ahead of time. Um, that can be storyboarding. That's not something we did for the most part, just because uh, my, my artistic abilities lie in pursuits other than drawing <laughs> things out. Uh, and I didn't have the money to hire an artist to, you know, draw an entire film. Uh, but yeah, things like that, having a schedule, having, um, you know, figuring out one of, one of the biggest things on a film like this, where 
like costumes aren't something that sticks out a ton. Like it's not like, oh man, I remember that he wore, you know, that because right. it's not, or it's like not Game a period of piece yeah. or yeah. You have to be so meticulous on like what people are wearing at all times and know like I had just a sheet literally that said this is what he's wearing in this scene and then this scene and then this scene and this scene to you know help with continuity and just to know what is coming next um the the biggest thing I think is that you should never have to second guess like on set man do I know if I know what's coming next like Mm -hmm. you should know that ahead of time well just as an actor too I've worked on several film films where it's not organized and from an actor's point of view I mean we're happy to be there and everything obviously Mm -hmm. we're happy to get the work but it's it makes for long days and it makes for chaos and Mm -hmm. you can't get into it if you know you don't know what's coming next or whatever and I I get it I mean I understand that it's a hard process and everything but as an actor I mean that does help quite a bit if you know a schedule if you know what's coming Mm -hmm. next if you know you know what mindset you need to get into for the next take so that does help a lot and so I appreciate that as an (laughs) actor to a director that makes our lives easier as well Mm -hmm. so perfect um so then so you wrote the script it took you about three times and then what what was what was it about the final script that you were just like, this is it? Was there a moment that mm. just you were like, all right, this is it. This is the script. Yeah, I I think so. I, I think the big thing that that like got me to that point is I had written a first draft and I thought it was I was like, this is pretty good. Like it's it's you know, it obviously needs some tweaking here and there, but I think this is good. Um, and I had a friend of mine read it who I trust very much. He was my my writing partner on the short film, um, and probably the best writer I know. And Can we give a shout out? Yeah, his name? his name's Logan Bush. He's he's hey, out Logan, in Hollywood. We know you're listening. Uh, yeah, he absolutely <laughs> is. Um, and so he read it and he met. He went, you know, it's really good. But I just feel like certain things about the main character are, you know, need to need to be changed. And so I went through that and I realized I was writing the second draft that a lot of the things I was trying to fix, I was fixing it by like adding more and trying to just like bulk it up. And that one came out to like over a hundred pages, which the idea is that a page is about a minute of screen time. And when you're trying to make your first film, like anything over an hour and a half is just absurd. Like even an hour and a half is absurd because it's just so much, you know, time to put on film. Um, And so then I went through the third draft and it was a lot of cutting out things, cutting out things that I knew were either not important or it was like, man, I like that, but I really should, you know, take this out and figuring out how to, um, get those points across in the smallest way possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the, like one of the key rules of screenwriting is is show, don't tell. So like figuring out how to, in really subtle ways, tell the story that I was trying to tell was important. Um, but I think the biggest moment was I had this, there's a female character in there and um, every other draft she had been so like wooden and blocky and not well-written because I'm not a woman. And so it's harder to write like dialogue for a woman and stuff like that. Um, and uh, when I wrote the third draft, like everything just kind of clicked with her and like it made sense and it started to sound like what a normal person would say instead of just like these ridiculous, you know, contrivances that were in my head. And uh, that was like the moment I was like, I think this is good. Like, I think this is what I want to go with. I don't think there's much I need to change. Um, and I was pretty, pretty happy. But at the same time, I mean, there was always input from other people. Like I was always passing it off to, to Logan and to some other trusted people to have them read it and to give me their input. Wonderful. Okay. So I know this may be kind of a random question and kind of a silly question, but I actually get asked this quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, how many pages is a feature film? Oh, yeah, Can it no. be? Um, mine came out to, I think, 93. Okay. Um, yeah, 93 pages. Um, is that pretty typical, do you pretty think? Pretty typical. Some, most stuff nowadays tends towards the longer side just because films are getting a little bit longer. Okay. And so they come out more like 110. And then you have the occasional crazy thing. Like Steve Jobs last year was 180 pages because oh, well. it's like <laughs> nothing but dialogue. Right. And dialogue is really compressed on the page with formatting. And so it's just page after page of dialogue. So that's crazy. But usually around the 90 to 100 page range. Okay. And then did you have more trouble writing the actual dialogue or did you have more trouble trying to get your vision of what the scene would look like onto paper got it i think on the first draft that was the hardest was the like the descriptions um so i I come from a background of writing like fiction and so not writing screenwriting and screenwriting is not only in uh first person which is different it's in present tense which is a little a little crazier but it's also uh it's as minimalistic as possible. You can't go into these lengthy, beautiful descriptions about something. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, how can you say in one sentence uh, what this is supposed to look like? And so I think the first draft, that was the hardest part. 
But once I kind of figured that out, um, how to how to do that snappy, I read this great book. I was on vacation in, in Los Angeles and I picked it up in a store. It's called Your Screenplay Sucks. And I almost didn't buy it because I'm like, man, this sounds like some dorky, like, you know, list book that's just gonna be terrible. And it's the best book I've ever read on on writing. Um, and it was very helpful on how to like write description a lot snappier. Um, and so from there it turned into more writing dialogue, which this film has got like an ensemble cast. So writing different dialogue for every character and trying to make them all unique was definitely a challenge at times. And there were times I'm like, man, these two people sound exactly the same. <laughs> um, so it was kind of a give and take of both, but definitely it was more the dialogue towards the end. Okay. Wonderful. And then, okay, so if you don't mind me asking, what was your budget for the film? Oh, yeah, not at all. Um, some of that's hard to guess because we had so much stuff like donated right. or, you know, reduced rates or like the crew was all working for free. Um, but actual like contribution from investors outside of like what I put in myself was 1500 Okay. Um, and then... I would guess the total cost of the film was somewhere closer to three. Okay, and then can you list some of the things you got donated? Yeah, absolutely. So um, a lot of our locations were donated outside of the, the college. Um, and then obviously time. We had almost all of our catered meals donated by different people. Um, uh, it was so funny. My, my, so my mom is, uh, is grown up in, in show business too because she you know obviously took my brother and I to mm -hmm. auditions and stuff as a kid. And so she knows a ton about the industry. Um, and I never would have thought like, you know, it's my mom, but like <laughs> she became this like crucial crew member throughout the whole film. Like she, she was my props master. She was my costume, uh, uh, not designer, but like took care of all of that with organization mm -hmm. and she catered a lot of the food and, you know, donated that. And we had other people donate food. So that was super helpful. All of our equipment was, um, was on a, uh, uh, contract where it wasn't, it wasn't free. It was uh, free with the understanding that they get non-exclusive rights to the film down the road. And so that can, was huge. Can you like explain that huge. a little bit? Yeah. So it's a public access company up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. It's called WKTV. Okay. And um, I had experienced public access in the past. And it's been like, oh, we have equipment. But their equipment is like a camcorder that's from the 80s. And you're like, oh, great. <laughs> this place is insane. They have, um, I don't know how familiar you are with, with equipment, but they have a Blackmagic Ursa, which is like, the top of the line cinema camera that they make like Hollywood movies with. Um, and just tons of equipment. We had a giant like jib, which is for making those big, huge sweeping shots. Um, and I mean, all of this was literally for free for as long as we needed it for the film. Um, and what'll happen is when we're done with the film and they've even been gracious, gracious enough to give us time to submit to festivals, when we're done with that, they have, uh, broadcast rights on their public access station to show oh, the film okay. um, whenever they want it. Now, like I said, it's not exclusive, so we can still sell the film for distribution down the road, but they still get to retain that and show it um, on their station, which is like a local Grand Rapids channel. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was a no-brainer deal when I heard that. I was like, absolutely. Like, I get a free equipment and I get to release my film to an audience right. for free? Of course. So That's that was amazing. the biggest thing. Because, I mean, when I was doing the budget originally, I'm looking at this, I'm like, man, like equipment is going to be the most expensive thing. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and then I got it for free, so. Okay, just because I'm curious, and I'm sure mm -hmm. listeners are too, did, did you approach them about this? Or how did that meeting go down? Because that's amazing. It was, it was a crazy meeting. So I had met my producer, who she's from Grand Rapids, um, Carice Bartlett. She's amazing. No one on the crew ever met her because she couldn't come down to the shoot, which is super sad. But <laughs> she is the like uh, man behind the curtain. She made so much of the film happen. And my first meeting with her where it was like, let's talk about this film. Let's see if you want to be involved. Uh, she's like, by the way, I don't know where you're getting equipment, but there's this place down the road from where I live called WKTV and I've used their equipment for free before and it's pretty great. And I'm like, Oh, that's kind of cool. Maybe I'll look into it. And a couple weeks later I gave him a call and they're like, yeah, come up to our facility and check it out. And I mean, I walked in and it was like Disney world. It was just amazing. <laughs> I, they have everything and they're all pretty knowledgeable and can show you all the stuff. They, they do free classes on, on how to use it all. And it was just like, this is unreal. And like, I kept having to ask because it was like, I don't know if this is actually real life. I'm like, so wait, I can, I can take this for 10 days for free. And like, yeah, it's all free. I'm like, okay. Wow. That... Great. They, they, would, they would correct me when I'd say I was coming to pick up my rental. They're like, no, 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 you're not renting. You're reserving because oh, we don't rent things. Fancy. It's all free. And I'm like, oh, 
So okay. it is true what they say about this business. It's all about connections. People. Oh my it gosh. It is all about connections. Yes. This film was built on connections, the generosity of others. Like it was built on knowing the right people. Absolutely. So you said it took 10 days to shoot, right? Or is that just as long as you had the camera for? Uh, ten, yeah, 10 days ten to shoot. shoot. Okay. Um, so before I have you get into locations and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, I want you to give a synopsis of the film. Okay. Because then I think it'd be easier to explain yeah, locations yeah, yeah. and characters. So just yeah. give a synopsis because I'm excited to hear it too. Yeah, okay. So uh, so the film is about uh, his character Calvin. He's a freshman at this school. It's called Stratford Wellington. It's it's fictitious, um, which second shout out to Logan Bush. Greatest <laughs> name for a college ever. And it was his invention. Uh, and it's like a Harvard-esque Ivy League school. And so he's there. It's his first semester in college. Um, he's got this awful roommate. His name is Trevor and uh, his grades are falling apart, and he chalks all this up to his roommate, that his roommate's terrible, that his roommate distracts him, he can't get any school done, um, and he finally snaps, is not the right word, because it's kind of a slow boil over, but he ends up uh, murdering his roommate, um, and uh, covers it up to look like a suicide, and everyone on campus goes, oh my gosh, like, what a tragic event, you must be, you know, uh, shocked and ruined by all this let's all show you sympathy and help you out and make you feel better and and give you all these special acceptances and so suddenly his grades start getting better and suddenly this girl's interested in him and suddenly he has this dream job that he's always wanted at this um news station on campus and everything's working out perfectly for him um and then his roommate shows back up and is haunting him and i know you can't see me i'm doing quotes because (laughs) it's very ambiguous um i think the only people who actually have a clear answer on that would be like myself and the actors who who portrayed the two characters on whether or not he's real if he's just Calvin going crazy or if he's actually a ghost but he's there and it's this constant reminder to Calvin that uh you know of what he's done um and from there it just things spiral out of control as life starts falling apart because he's faced with this reality of like I literally murdered someone because I you know wanted better grades in school um and uh, yeah, from there, it's just this like slow descent as everything in his life falls apart and everything and other people's lives around him falls apart, um, leading to the end of the film. So. Oh, wow. That sounds amazing. I can't wait to see it. How well, long thanks. do you think post-production will take? Um, well, we actually have a deadline because we want to submit to Sundance Film Festival. Okay. And the very last date to turn it in is September 26th. Um, and that's the date it has to show up in Utah and you mail them a DVD oh, because wow. it's like super old school. You guys better get going. <laughs> so we have to literally have everything done by like the 20th of, of September. Wow. Um, so like the editing and then, you know, color correction, the sound mix, the score, everything has to be done by the end of September. Wow. So as far as Sundance goes, um, mm-hmm. is there any criteria you have to follow for Sundance? Uh, it's really, really, really vague. It's just, uh, anything over 50 minutes is a feature. Um, anything under 50 minutes is a short. So it'll be in the feature category and you submit it and you hope, hope, hope because their chances of, uh, acceptance are about 0.17%. Wow. Is there any other festivals you're submitting to? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So from there, we'll know pretty quickly whether or not we made it into it. Um, and the reason that we wait is because, uh, big festivals like Sundance or South by Southwest, um, have what's called world premiere rights. So they have to be the first festival to show your film or else they won't accept it because the hype around the festival is that like, this is the first time anyone's ever seen this film. Um, so we can't start submitting to other places until we know whether or not we've gotten in there. Um, once that's done, we'll start looking at some smaller regional venues. Um, a big one is Goshen, Indiana has a film festival, a Riverbend Film Fest. And so um, that's kind of a no brainer to go there because it's the hometown of the film. Right. Uh, it's a really big deal. So we'll be looking at some of the smaller venues like that um, it, uh, if Sundance ends up not working out. Um, but right now, our eyes are set there. So fingers not, are crossed. Yeah, fingers are crossed. I'll send good vibes your way. We'll, mm. we'll, we'll make this happen, guys. I'm, I know they're listening right now at Sundance, so make sure you suck <laughs> this film. Okay, perfect. Well, we are going to take a break, and then okay. we will be right back with Matt Whitney. Red Chat. I am your host, Katie Jane Mullen. I am here with filmmaker Matt Whitney, and we're talking about his latest film. So before the break, we were talking about um, the budget and how he got a lot of equipment for free. What what word did you use? You were... It, 
Uh, it was a. You weren't renting it. Yeah, you it, were, was, it was being reserved. You were reserving it. How yeah. fancy. How bourgeois. Yeah. Um. So perfect. And then we talked about how connections are everything. Mm. Uh, we talked about the script writing process. So now, um, because a lot of people say that casting is how you make your film or, mm-hmm. you know, the end all be all. So do you believe that too? Is casting crucial to you? It's huge. It's, I wouldn't say it's the number one thing. I mean, I think story is absolutely number one. That doesn't I, get I agree stressed enough completely. in filmmaking. Um, if you don't have a great story, it doesn't matter. You know, great, great actors can kind of take a, you know, terrible story and make it better. But like even not great actors can make a really great story look at least pretty good. So, Maybe number two. I 100% agree. I like that answer a lot. Um, so can you name some of the actors that you yeah, used in absolutely. this film? Yeah, absolutely. So our lead who played Calvin was uh, Tony Schaefer. He's from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, he's awesome. Uh, met him through a friend of mine who I acted with um, at the South Bend Civic. And he drove all the way up from Fort Wayne for auditions uh, about two hours. Showed up. He was our last person there for the day. And I already had an idea that I kind of wanted to cast him as Calvin because I'd seen a little bit of his work. And I knew it was an important, you know, obviously an important role. Um, and so I've been looking around and no one really that day had struck me as somebody that was going to be good. And then he shows up and I'm like, yep, perfect. This is exactly who I want. Um, he did a, like a cold read from one of the scenes and it was, it was excellent. Um, other than that, most of our, our leads, and like I said, it is an ensemble cast. But most of our leads were people I already knew who was either uh, aware of their acting experience or the part had kind of been written with them in mind. Um, for instance, uh, the, the guy who played Trevor, his name's uh, Phil Lorenz, uh, he actually has zero acting experience, uh, but he was like exactly what I imagined in my mind for Trevor as I wrote it. And he's a, he's a good friend of mine, so I'm aware of like his personality and his character and everything. And I knew I could get a performance out of him that I wanted, mm-hmm. um, even with you know very little experience, obviously. Um, and he, he was great. Um, some of the other people, let's see, uh, Kayla, who's our, our female lead, and really like the only female in the entire film um it just shows that i'm you know not as great at writing women uh are you scared of girls matt is that no, what it leads back it, to it was so funny too because like on all the ex- <laughs> yeah the crew was all men uh <laughs> all of our extras ended up being guys except for like two people and i don't know what it was like i know women i just i don't know the story didn't <laughs> lend itself to having like a lot of uh, female characters to it um and so it was it was very interesting but um yeah she is a friend of mine that I actually acted with in college um Tabitha Branion she's great she came from Kokomo um uh to play the part um and that was really great but yeah I'm just like I said an ensemble cast so tons of people um that most of them were people I already knew and so I had some experience their acting or they were recommended to me uh, and I watched you know some of their work and cast them from there I think the only person that I had never talked to uh before the shoot was a guy from Chicago that saw a Craigslist ad I'd put up. Oh, wow. And he was great. He was so tenacious. This guy, he's like, I want to come to auditions. And then he couldn't make it because he had like a family emergency. And he's like, I'm really sorry, but I'd love to send in a video audition. And I said, absolutely. And he's like, I'm going to be on set for this film in a couple of days. I'll grab somebody with a camera and have him you know, do a recording. And then he emails me <laughs> the day on set. And he's like, hey, I couldn't get anyone. So I recorded this on my iPhone in a mirror. I hope it's good. And oh, it was like gosh. 20 seconds of him just reading lines, like, the, you know, with his hand up with the phone in the mirror. <laughs> and it was the best audition I've ever seen from anyone. And I was just like, this is perfect. And even if you weren't amazing, I still would cast you because you're working so hard to get this part. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Do it was You still have fantastic. the video? You might need to present oh, yeah. that to the world. Yeah. That's it's, amazing. It's great. He also has like the best voice in the world. Uh, it's just this deep booming voice and so it's perfect awesome um, okay so then uh for filmmakers wanting to find a cast mm-hmm. how did you go about auditions um so we set them up i had a friend who uh has a, a very big church in south bend so we used their space uh, it was a big auditorium uh but i mean you could do it in your living room if you wanted it really yeah. doesn't matter um i put out uh casting calls on a lot of different places i did like craigslist um Facebook groups for filmmakers in the area, um, anything like that. And then I just pushed it myself, had my friends push it, say, you know, talk about it as much as I could, uh, emailed local colleges, like their theater department stuff, and just set a date. Uh, I had a sign-up sheet there. You'd sign up, you'd come in. If you had a resume, great. If you didn't, we had little little uh, information sheets so you could put down, like, your name, your email, your phone number. Um, and then we just had sides. Uh, the way I like to do it, I've, I've been in a lot of auditions myself, 
And I prefer cold reads to um, giving them uh, sides ahead of time because if you have sides ahead of time, then they're trying to like create a character and figure out what's mm -hmm. going on. And for theater, that's great because in theater, you have three, four, five months of auditions to build up to this character and you're building it. But on film sets, even though you've prepared some and, and if you're really fortunate, you have had some rehearsal time with, with the rest of the cast, a lot of it's on the spot acting where you're right there and you have to make decisions. And so that's the kind of, read I want to get from people when they audition is how can you react to new material right now? Um, so I brought a couple of my cast members with me that I had already uh, chosen for roles and had them read uh, opposite people that came in. We recorded the whole thing and I sat down a day later with my notes from the audition and I watched them all to make sure I wasn't crazy or that I hadn't missed something, which was great because there were actually things I had missed. I was like, man, that person would actually be really good for that. Uh, and I uh, got the input of some people, um, but ultimately like, I think one of the biggest things to remember is like ultimately you are the director like and it's your decision like don't let other people's opinions while valuable like make you make decisions that you're not completely comfortable with um so yeah i went through that chose the people that i wanted and um sent them emails i would say the one biggest thing that i learned from that was don't let people handwrite their emails because there are sadly three people who still don't know if they got a part in the movie because oh. i cannot email them <laughs> now fortunately they were people i didn't want to cast but I think it's really rude to not let people know one oh, way or the other. Yes, and yes. unfortunately they will never know because their handwriting was so bad. You can't read their email oh, address. No. So yeah, I mean the, the thing that I did later uh, when I did like signups for extras was I would have like a laptop or an iPad there and have them type it in because mm -hmm. then you can't mess it up. Right. So how, how big did your final cast, not including extras and mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not saying anything bad about extras cause no, I've been no. an extra plenty of times and mm -hmm. I love extras, Yep. but, um, how big was your ensemble cast? Uh, ooh, I'm probably forgetting people, but I think 10. 10? Okay. Yeah. So a good size cast. Mm -hmm. And then if you know off the top of your head, how many extras estimated do you think you used in the <laughs> entire film? Oh, so few. So few. That is the hardest thing as an independent filmmaker is to get extras because you would think that everyone in a 50 mile radius would hear a movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take the day off work and go be an extra. But oh my goodness, it is the hardest thing to get extras. Um, when we shot the opening sequence just, you know, uh, back last year, there was a scene in a classroom and we were trying to get about 50 people to fill it. Now this is during school at a college on a Friday night. Mm -hmm. And I had free pizza for everyone. And I'm pretty sure I gave entire pizzas to each person who showed up because there were like eight people. Oh, goodness. So <laughs> the feature was a very similar story. Um, we maybe had, over the course of the whole film, maybe 15 to 20 different people. But uh, when you watch it, you'll see the cast and the, the crew in it a lot. Okay. Over and over and over. And we tried to be creative to hide that they were, you know, five different people throughout the film. But... Uh, you know, you, you have to you have to figure it out somehow. Uh, well, I mean, what I've always taken away from extra work, because I've done quite a bit of extra work, and mm -hmm. I, I did uh, The Lone Ranger, and I did Magic City and stuff Ooh. like that. And it's cool. I mean, mm -hmm. as an actor, you kind of feel like cattle, especially when it's huge, you know, mm -hmm. amounts of extras. But what I like about extra work is you get to see the entire process. Mm -hmm. So because I am, you know, into film and all that kind of stuff, I like watching days on set. I like going and even watching the makeup artist or I like watching the costumers or I like just I like people watching. My boyfriend will tell you I'm the best eavesdropper you'll ever meet. Um, I love people watching. I love watching just how everything is done. And so that's what I take away from extra work. Um, I mean, if you work on big movies and stuff, too, it pays well mm -hmm. and the food's good. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's it's a learning experience as an extra. Absolutely. And so I do encourage people to be extras because, I mean, it might not be great on your resume, but it's it's good experience, mm -hmm. and it can be fun. You can meet yeah. a lot of good people. Absolutely. I still talk to a lot of the people I worked with, and it's it's good times. Yeah. Um, so then can you give us, like, any good stories from set? Because there's <laughs> yeah. always good stories on yeah. set. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my favorite one uh, in involves uh, our last day on set. Um, so this is day, I guess, day nine. I guess we filmed in nine days now that I think about it, not 10. Um, we had, uh, by, by then I had gotten pretty good at delegating because I'm not a great delegator and I like to do everything myself. Um, and it slowly kills you on a film set when you try and do every job. Uh, but by day nine, I was so sleep deprived that I wasn't always catching what I was saying before I said it. Uh, and so we're getting ready for a shot 
and my director of photography notices a trash can in the shot. And he goes, hey, uh, Matt, you want that trash can out of there? And I said, yeah, I'll go ahead and move that trash can. And as I'm saying, I'm like, I don't need to be moving this. So I literally, this is how it comes out. I'm like, I don't, uh, I was like, yeah, I'll go move that trash can. Hey, Justin, can you go get that trash can? <laughs> like literally not a beat between them. And so I just send off <laughs> one of my crew members to go pick it up instead. And it was the funniest thing. It was just like everyone lost it. And it was a great example of like, you need to delegate, but like you don't always remember that that's the most important thing. So a <laughs> little object lesson in there too, but it was very, very funny. Actually, um, speaking of that, I'm going to touch on that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a director, obviously you have a lot of responsibilities. You have a lot of weight on your shoulders. You have a hundred different people asking you a hundred different questions and wanting a hundred different answers. Mm-hmm. So do you find that hard or do you like being in the lead role? How does that, how does that make you feel? Um, it is exhilarating and it's fun. And especially having written this, like I, I'd love an experience of like directing something I hadn't written. Cause I think it'll be completely different, but, um, like being able to answer, you know, oh, that will create a question. And, and sometimes having people come to you and you're like, I never would have thought of that. Like, what an interesting question. Um, it is exhilarating, but it's also just exhausting. I mean, I would be on set. And like you said, there's everyone asking you questions. So there'd be times I'd be getting ready for a shot. And like, I'm talking to one of my actors and trying to get them ready and explain to them what the scene's about and like catch them up. Uh, and while I'm doing that, my director of photography is yelling, hey, Matt, picture lock. And I need to like run over and like try and look at it and make sure it looks good while I'm still giving my attention to that. And at the same time, someone else is yelling to me, asking me if they like this, um, you know, and there's another actor down the hall is like, hey Matt, what do you want me to wear in this next scene? And I'm like trying to tell them and I'm trying to handle all this stuff at once, give my full attention to everything, which is, you know, kind of impossible. Mm-hmm. And so at some point you learn to like r- delegate and then also to just like um, uh, split it up, you know, task by task. Uh, so you get really good at answering questions incredibly fast uh, because it's like, okay, I need to be done with that in like three seconds so I can move on to this one and answer that. Um, but yeah, if you don't get like some time just to yourself, during lunch was was like my time to just not do anything. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is like sitting around like chatting and, and eating and enjoying each other's company and I would just like sit by myself and not say anything. <laughs> and like eat a bag of chips and I'd be like, all right. No, I'm you good. needed time to mellow out. I understand. Exactly, yeah. Well, you were saying that you had to devote your attention to everything that came to you. And actually, I worked on a film where the director was telling me that he, like, he remembers the prop prop designer came and talked to him and said, what color do you want the glasses to be on the table? And mm-hmm. he was so sidetracked with everything else that he was like, it doesn't matter, whatever. Mm-hmm. And he watched the film back and that was the one thing he noticed, that the cups weren't, they didn't look right. And he's mm-hmm. like, I wish I just would have given my undivided attention to that one little matter. It would have taken three seconds and it would have been what I wanted. Yeah. But he said, it's things that you don't think about. And then mm-hmm. you look back and you're like, oh, I should have done it that, you know, I should have just focused on that little part for a second. But yeah. I mean, as a director, you have 8,000 things coming at you. So I can't <laughs> even imagine. Which um, goes back to the whole planning ahead. Like it ideally you have an answer for every question when it's asked you, like you don't have to think like, you know, I want those glasses to be blue, you know, because you've thought about everything. But at the same time, you obviously can't plan for every single question, every single, you know, event. But, um, you know, especially the big things, man, nothing was better for me on set than having sat down uh, and written out like thoughts for every scene. Like, why is this character doing this in this scene? Because then when the actor would ask me, I wouldn't have to go, mm, oh, that's a great question. I wonder what your motivation is in this mm-hmm. scene. I knew it and I could answer it. And like, that was super helpful to the whole process. So is your directing style more of you give them a little bit of an idea of where you want them to go and then build on it? Or do you give them kind of exactly what you're envisioning? How to, what is your process? Um, it's more of the first. I like to have them, I, I like to ask questions and I like, them to make decisions. I think the best thing I ever learned from one of my directors um, uh, when I was an actor was he said uh, to, to one of one of the other actors, he said, I don't want you to be your character. I want your character to be you. Um, because like, it's not us just chameleoning into a role. I mean, it's amazing when people can do that, but it's more, how can you make this role unique? Because if you can't make it unique, why'd I cast you as opposed to somebody else? Right. Um, so yeah, I, I like to ask a lot of questions, um, you know, a big, a big thing was like, why do you think this scene is important? Um, and you know, have them work with that. Um, I give, I give a lot of like description words that, that I think help them, uh, understand it. But, but I want them to try things themselves because if I know exactly what I want the character to be, and I know exactly what's going to be. Why don't I just play every character? Right. Like, <laughs> right. You know, I'm not a one man band. So 
they're in there because they have something that they can bring to the table that I might not have even ever thought of. Uh, and there were tons of times on set that they would do that, that like an actor would do something like, oh man, that's, I like how you took the character that way. Um, you know, the characters were evolving even on set. Um, and I mean, to an extent, like I'm, I, I don't like ad-libbing a lot because it's like I spent time writing that. Not that I'm like arrogant and think my words are beautiful. No, that was going to be my next question. Is, but do like, you like improv or do you like it to be Yeah, I like it. Uh, there's a specific reason I picked it. Now, sometimes it's great. And like I'd like them to take that tr that chance and be like, ah, this sounded better. And I could go, man, that's perfect. Like mm -hmm. I love that. But at the same time, sometimes it's like I really – like I put it that way because that means a specific thing. Um and so there, you know, there's there's a little bit of give and take, but that's one area where I don't really like uh, as much uh, creativity from the actor. Like I'd like, you know, I'd like them to take the words that are already there and work with them, you know, and in the way they can do it. Um, but yeah, definitely more the first. Like I don't want to just regiment everything they have to do um, because they're creative too, and they can bring their own spark to it. Perfect. You, I mean, you sound like the dream director because how I like to work, I'm not a big fan of improv, honestly. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I like getting a script. I like being able to look at it and kind of figure it out from there. I don't like when a director's like, okay, just do what you think would come. I don't know. Cause I feel like I freeze up quite a bit. Um, but some actors are great at that. Some mm -hmm. thrive on that. But then also I, I've worked with two different kinds of directors. I've worked with a director who is completely free flow and lets you do whatever you want and everything and and that's nice but then I've also worked with one who literally tells you when to move your finger when to blink your eyes when and it just is the hardest thing in the world because I think as a director you have to give up a little I'm speaking I don't even know because mm -hmm. I've never been a director but I'm assuming this is mm -hmm. how it works you have to be able to give up a little bit of freedom or creative freedom because you know, the actors coming in and doing their profession. Mm -hmm. They're doing acting. They're acting. And so as an actor, I like to go in and have a little bit of creative freedom. And like you said, the director will give you some guidelines, but then mm -hmm. you're allowed to build on it. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it definitely makes a difference as opposed to someone saying, mm, you blinked your eye on the, and you were supposed to blink on and. And I've had that before. And oh it's, my it's challenging because yeah. then it's like, do you not trust me at all? I uh -huh. know what I'm doing, or yeah, at least I think yeah. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. But... Yeah, so then um, what were some of the locations you used to shoot? Yeah, so the majority of the film, and, I, and this is what made it possible to shoot in nine days, was Goshen College. Um, uh, they were actually the, th the third place we looked. Um, I originally wanted to film it at my old school, um, and they were unfortunately under construction this summer, so that was out. Um, and from there, I looked at a school up in Michigan called Kalamazoo College. Um, it's a really beautiful campus, and it looks a lot like what I was interested in. Um, but there were a lot of reasons that one didn't work out. They didn't, uh, really want to film there. They'd had a film on campus a few years ago and it, they said it was a really bad experience, which is really unfortunate because, you know, one person ruins it for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, but they also were incredibly expensive. They would have been like 10 times our entire budget. So, oh, <laughs> uh, so we couldn't do that one obviously. And I had a friend in Goshen who used to work at the college and said, Matt, have you ever thought about Goshen college? And I was like, well, no, not really. Um, and he goes, I should take you on campus. Um, and the more I walked around, the more I'm like, this is perfect. This is exactly what I want. Um, and they were so helpful. I mean, they, they were great. They gave us an incredible rate. They just opened up the whole campus to us. Um, we kind of had free reign of it when we were on um, so that was the majority of our location because a lot of the film takes place in the main character's dorm room um, or places around campus. Uh, and then the other two main places we went were uh, the local Goshen Theater, which is an uh, old like cinema palace. Um, and it's just, it's gorgeous. It used to be a church and then it turned into a theater now and it actually shows films. Um, but uh, we filmed there for one day. And then uh, there's a local diner in town called uh, Southside Soda Shop. And uh, that's a tongue twister. <laughs> and they were incredible. I called them, set up a meeting, walk in. And I'm expecting to sit down and like talk to him for half an hour about the film and like figure things out. Literally, she walks up. I shake her hand. She goes, so when are you guys coming in? Like, no <laughs> questions. Just what time are you coming? We'll have the place open for you. That's amazing. Yeah. So that was, those are the three like big places. I mean, we were obviously other places around town occasionally, right. but those are the main locations. Wow. That's amazing. Okay. So then... Did your vision for this film and did the final product, did they sync up? Or mm -hmm. do you think that you accomplished what you wanted to accomplish? I mean, obviously it's still in post-production, yeah, yeah, but yeah. as far as filming-wise and it how it looked. That's a, that's a really interesting question. Um, because the original vision 
in a lot of ways is completely different from what I, from what we have now. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just, it's interesting because you have this thing in your mind and you have like, I mean, I had exact shots in my head. I knew exactly what things were going to look like. And, you know, the characters all sounded a certain way and like everything was planned out in my head exactly. Um, and then you get on set and the magic happens and things come together. And there are times that I'm watching footage and I'm like, man, like that's not what I thought at all, but like, it's perfect. It's exactly like, it's great. And, and it's interesting to think like there's multiple ways to to have the story come out how you want it. Right. So um, your vision kind of evolved. With yeah, it film. evolved. Um, a lot of it because other people were there. I mean, there were so many, uh, my director of photography is incredibly creative and he had so many great ideas for shots and like, um, seeing like some of his ideas come on screen and be like, Oh man, like that looked really good. Like I never would have thought of shooting it that way. Um, cause you know, I'm not a cinematographer. Like that's not, um, somewhere where I'm particularly creative. And so seeing that or seeing, actors turn the characters into something that I never would have expected was great. Um, you know, and so, uh, yeah, it's, it's very different from the original product, but it's, it's good. Awesome. Okay. So then besides Sundance and all the other cool film festivals that Mm -hmm. you are submitting to, how are you hoping to network this film and kind of get it out to the world so people can see it? Got it. Yeah. Um, that's kind of up in the air because I would love to, you know, like sell it for distribution. That'd be amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, but like I, I, I'm realistic. I understand that there's a huge chance that won't happen, especially if we don't get into or do well in some of the bigger film festivals. Um, so likely it'll be something online. Um, I'll show it at like local theaters, like the, the Goshen theater, I'm sure will be interested. And there's, there's some local theaters near where I live that screen independent films. And so I'm sure it'll show places like that. But, um, as far as like bigger distribution, that's really still up in the air right now. Okay. Wonderful. And so, when it is ready and people can go see it and all that good stuff, do you guys have any social media handles or any websites yeah. that you can plug and pimp mm-hmm. yourself out? Yeah, so we have <laughs> we have uh, we have two Facebook pages right now. Um, the first one is just for our our production company. Um, it's kind of a weird name. It's Squatchajawea Films. Uh, it's a it's a play on words. If if you'll indulge me for one moment to explain the yes. name uh, of Sasquatch, like Bigfoot and Sacagawea. So. Um, I have uh, Native American ancestry, and it's something that I'm really proud of and something that I really <laughs> love. And uh, uh, I've always loved Bigfoot and thought he was hilarious. And in college, I was able to do a mockumentary about uh, like Bigfoot hunting. And my friend in Infinite Wisdom, who is our Native American guide taking us through, goes, my name's Chief Squatchajawea. And I went, that's so brilliant. Like, what a hilarious name. And it evolved into this great name for a production company. So anyway, our two Facebook handles, um, the one for the production company is facebook.com slash Films, which is uh, S-Q-U-A-T-C-H, like Squatch, and then A-G-A-W-E-A. Um, so it's a kind of combination. And then for the film itself is uh, 4.0 film, and that's the number four, and then point. Oh, film. Um, so facebook.com slash 4.0 film. Okay, perfect. And then I will put all this stuff on my blog, which will be on www.katiejanemullen.com. So you guys can see lots of information about Matt and his film, along with all of his uh, social media handles. And we can't wait to see your film. I am so excited to see it. Um, I know Justin had an amazing time working on it, and I got to hear lots of stories from set. And I I learned so much about filmmaking from you here today. And so thank you so much yeah, for you're being welcome. here, Matt. Oh, it was a privilege. Awesome. So guys, make sure you please go check out their Facebook page and support them. And they're doing amazing things. And hopefully watch for um, How I Killed My Roommate for Better Grades or 4.0 or How I Killed My Roommate for Better Grades. There you go. There we go. Um, So thank you so much, Matt, for being here today. And I will talk to you guys soon.